0: Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk on Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, and today we planned on talking about getting rid of rule books. But if you've listened to this week's Dice Tower news, you know that Kitty's been feeling a bit under the weather and wasn't able to record tonight. So instead of having this conversation without her, I've decided to do our first ever rerun episode. So, what you're about to listen to is Kitty, Josh, and I in episode 40, minus the time sensitive content. This was almost 140 episodes ago, and at the time we thought 40 was a big deal. To be fair, for us it was at the time. I think this episode will make a good lead into next week where we really will talk about rule books and getting rid of them altogether. All right, cue the music.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 40, wow, of Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. I'm Chris. And I'm Kitty. Today we'll be talking about rule books with hundreds, maybe thousands of games coming out each year. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll even ponder the question as to whether we need them at all. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show emil jill jam shane paul george and adam harrison and thank you to terence for increasing your pleasure level and a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well thanks josh yeah 40 is a big number
0: um i don't mm-hmm. know why it's just well, it has a zero of at the yeah, end exactly. yeah <laughs> like 40 episodes I just thinking the other day we've done 40 weekly episodes and we haven't missed a week yet it's crazy speaking of which josh has missed a few weeks but yeah it's cool it's it's fine you has it really
2: be- just been josh
0: um. Yeah, I think. And yeah. mm. once you came on the show, I think you've been here every single time. Yeah. Good work.
2: Yeah. Turned into Josh shaming just now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Let's get on to what we're supposed to be talking about.
1: In this episode, we're talking about rule books, one book, two books, videos, formats, fonts, and layout. We're going to talk about what we and you like, don't like, and expect from a rulebook. Present, Chris here. Heads up that we're going to talk about
0: our forums and listener input. For a long time, we use these input threads to help drive the conversation. Over the last year, the input side of the forums has been phased out simply to make the show easier for me to prep and produce. But if you do have input or feedback, remember, feedback at tabletopgametalk.com still works, so use it often. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, when I first thought of doing this, I will say a little bit selfishly, I'm in the middle of writing a rule book for this prototype. <laughs> um, and I'm like, eh, I just want to kind of hear what other people have to think about it. I'm like, yeah, I'll force people to listen to an episode. I,
1: I absolutely <laughs> knew that. The minute I saw this topic, I was like, Chris is just trying to get feedback for his own He's ends.
0: Finishing. Yeah. <laughs> if, well, you know, I just, I like to get input from everybody. it's a smart move so yeah crowdsource the solutions (laughs) this actually turned into quite a discussion on the board geeky board game geek forum so um you guys should check it out if you haven't but even i feel we have a lot of lurkers because we have about you know a couple dozen people that interact with us on a regular basis but we have lots more downloads so those those people aren't listening or they just download and don't listen or they're just lurking which is totally fine that's Every podcast I, was gonna say, I listen to, it's the same thing. You make thing.
2: that sound like a bad thing. No, I, yeah. it's
0: not a bad thing. But go out and lurk on the on that forum too, because there's always a lot of good information there. So, um,
2: lots of really good images. A yep. lot of the time, yeah. We, it's really hard sometimes to describe pictures, board games, like very well. And you know, looking at a picture, all of a sudden you're like. Oh, oh, that's what they were trying to tell
0: me. Yeah. So we really appreciate all the feedback we're getting, and um, we will touch on a lot of it. I want to jump right into XCOM first, though, because right. XCOM is a game. Um, and actually, Aaron, Aaron started this. Okay, Aaron, you know I'm talking to you. <laughs> Todd replied, um, and Aaron and Todd had an exchange back and forth. This is a very healthy exchange back and forth. But Aaron's premise was essentially. Video games no longer have rule books. Yep. So why do board games need rule books? And the reply to that, which is very valid, is with a video game, you have someone who's holding your hand, which is the game. It's it's the referee for the rules. It's telling you if you're doing something wrong. It's not a letting you do things that you yeah. shouldn't be allowed yeah. to do. Run through a wall or whatever. Right. So by doing – so the video game can say, nope, this is what you're supposed to be doing, or guide you through a tutorial. In real with, time. Right. With a board game, you don't have that. There's nobody there watching over you. So somebody has to do that You know, for the game. That's usually the person who owns the game. And they usually do that by reading the rulebook and then referencing the rulebook as questions come up. XCOM is an exception, though. So I want to start with this one because XCOM has no rulebook. You open up the box, there's a bunch of components, and it says, go download this app. And the app guides you through... The tutorial for it, it starts you on. So,
1: kind of, XCOM is the answer to Aaron's why is there not something different than a rule book? And XCOM is the different thing yes. with, with this special app that kind of guides you through. Yep.
2: I did feel though when we were playing <clears throat> XCOM that. Um, so, what I'll do a lot of times when we play a game is Chris will explain the rules, kind of guide us through his turn, and then while everyone else takes their turn, I like leaf through the rules as people and it gives like the the different sections of the world kind of give you an idea of what you can do yep. and yeah i can see what people are doing the choices they're making but it gives me more options more to see with xcom it was very
0: you were never sure if you were playing it right
2: i i was never sure i had yeah. no idea what was going on for like i don't know I I still don't even remember what happened. (laughs) I don't know if I even played this game, but I know I did. But,
0: you know. I will say it's a little bit disorienting when you can't look up a rule. You just have to keep pushing forward. And if you're doing something wrong, you just do it wrong. That's fine. If you missed it when it described it to you, there is, like, you can go back and there's like a help section and stuff, but it's all in the app. And I'm mixed on whether or not it was good or bad because we could just start playing right it's like okay i did
1: enjoy that fact if i mean for me because that's my style is i would rather just jump in and have someone or something to say okay this is how you're going to do it okay you're about to move this piece well this is how you do it and this is the points and everything
2: um the thing you have to be really certain is on what the pieces are named yep i feel like there's a lot of times like all right take one of these pieces and put it on this kind of and I there were like five different kinds of pieces that looked kind of similar, similar and I was that's like true. yeah because I remember you particularly Josh had a problem where you were like all right so I'm supposed to put these kinds of pieces on a card but yes. I'm only allowed to have a certain number of those pieces and I don't know it was it was a little confusing. Was,
0: yeah. yeah so we ended up having to play it again yeah. to to understand it's like okay now we're starting to get it which didn't seem to be any faster to learning the game than actually having a rule book fuddling through the first time and then going back referencing the rules and playing it the second time and being like okay now we get it
2: and i do think they had a tutorial mode on the app
0: yeah we started in we started with mode, the you know.
2: tutorial and we messed that up so much, we were like, eh, forget this game. Reset, we're starting a real game. (laughs) Yeah, Because that's how you're supposed to do things, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, (laughs) Now, I will also say the app itself, because the app was there, they could use it for the rules. The app itself does so many other things, because it, it could adjust the game as you went through. If Africa was getting invaded and you just lost it, different things would happen in the game. Like the app would have different things happen. So that's really cool about it. Right. But I, I definitely wanted to bring it up in the rule book discussion, because this is the one game that I know of right now that doesn't have a rule book. Um,
2: if you know of others, please point them out to us.
0: Yep. Now, writing rules is hard. Um, and like I say, you have an idea in your head. You you need to put it on paper. You think that you know what's going on, and you think that you're describing everything the way you need to. As you start getting into the details, you realize you need to get a lot more information in there. It's like, oh, well, what about this? What about that? So you tend to add too many words, which can confuse things even more. And then you forget about putting other things in there. Then you give this to somebody else, and they read it, and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've played this game. It doesn't <laughs> sound like the game you just writ- wrote about.
2: Which is why technical writing is a college level class. Exactly. That you can take. <laughs> it's really hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm reviewing a rule book right now, and it's like put together fairly well, but there are still many issues with it. Um, I've read it twice. I still don't know how to play the game. So <laughs> but now it's the it's the part where I need to go through and like kind of figure out why I don't know how to play the game. What yeah. part of it if, where am I getting lost in it? Um and there are, you have things like layouts, how many images, diagrams, that kind of things. Where do you teach with images? Um, your fonts. You know, you have too many fonts on the page. It's hard to read. Uh, this particular rulebook, um, and they're listening of the, what I'm reading. So you'll get this all this feedback, <laughs> I promise. I just, it's a great example as well. Um, this particular rulebook has chosen a font that's all capital letters. So, as you're reading it, everything is capitalized. So, it's really hard to see where the word breaks are. Does it
1: feel like it's shouting at you? <laughs> <laughs> it it's just feels really yeah a you know bit. like your grandpa's <laughs> texting you So yeah. it
2: can be easier to read sometimes when you're looking i it, i feel like the the formatting can be distracting sometimes if something's in all right here's bold here's italics now there's eight bullet points now we're in a different font because somebody's speaking to us mm-hmm. i if i open a rule book to like a quotation from like a description of it's the been 20 million years and earth is i'm just like (laughs) i skip it see
0: that i don't mind so much (laughs) as long as it's in its own section um and actually we have a few comments on that we're fluff (laughs) um so you have crunch and fluff so crunch is the rules and fluff is the story right um they're not they're i I don't think of them as derogatory terms it's just kind of the way in role-playing that's kind of how you think of them um but i like the story i like the idea that there's a background to it i think you can keep it to an introduction paragraph at the beginning just to set the scene yeah um
2: as long as it's clearly defined so i know i can skip it yes
0: (laughs) inside first page or somewhere in the first page in italics i like when a rule book has italics for that story element that is at the beginning. Um, Because it's like, okay, I can skip over that, but I can come back to it later if I want to see it.
1: And a lot of this sounds, you know, very much like you would in sort of web uh, design for uh, websites. You know, it's that user experience um, guidelines and good design practices, you know. Have we used enough white space here, you know, or have we crammed the words in next to all the text and things? Like you said, with the fonts and, and, you know, too many bullet points or things, it's just about... Having an eye for that design and, and making it, making the layout so that it's understandable yeah. and easy to read. Yep. Yeah. Well, and
0: so this particular one, when I first looked at the book and flipping through it, it looks amazing. Like it really right. does. It looks fantastic. Um, and I'm like, you know, for a prototype, I'm like, I was not expecting anything near that quality. It's only once I started trying to comprehend what was being said that I was finding myself get lost. In, in, a, in the right. layout and the fonts and the number of times it switched through different things. Right. All of it's fixable. Like, yep. it's easily fixable. It's just something that you, when you first are writing it, um, and I've done this before too, where you kind of go style. You're like, I want to make everything look really stylistic and really cool. And I know how to play it, so I don't need to really pay too much attention to it because i understand it
1: oh wait a sec so this is a prototype for the game that you're developing no no oh, no, no no i
0: yeah. didn't think okay yeah. um so and, and it's it's those but those styling choices um i went to i don't remember right somewhere in college long ago um something along the signs of never more than two fonts on a page and even that's probably too much right um so those kind of like style guidelines and stuff
2: i do feel like you have Regular text, bold, and italics for a reason. Yeah. Those should really serve all of your purposes.
0: <laughs> yep. So um, Too Many Bones. This one I'll just call straight out. They're, so they are have a character reference sheets, which you can download. So if you go to Chip Theory Games, go to Support and Downloads, and then you can see all of the rules for Too Many Bones. Um, they have a version two of their character reference sheets, because every character has its own rule sheet. The initial one... Very stylistic, very much um, a lot of like hard to read um, right. and hard to understand. And there was tons and tons of questions just because – even if it was in the rules, it wasn't necessarily easy to find them. So they've now done a version two where they call everything is out. They've changed the font to more of a thin Helvetica stylish font. So it stands out as opposed to having bold everywhere. Right. Um, so then they can call out, they can make something italic or make something bold, and it actually sticks out as opposed to not being able to differentiate different kinds of text. So we're getting into uh, layout. So that's just one well
1: yeah i mean when you kind of touched on like the actual content itself and how it's written can be you know distracting or too, you know jumping into too many details um straight away Uh, terence made a really great point um about the importance of that sort of thing where you know some um professions much like for instance journalism you're taught to essentially tell the story three times over so you know first summarize everything into a very brief thing Uh, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you then you go into after that then that's when you go into the detail and you really tell the story and then right at the end you kind of summarize and tell them that you've told them so you do those three stages and it and it is so important you know even when you're describing a game to me when we're about to play it i want to know how do i win you know how do i get points you know and and kind of just some big bold uh things before you start going to the nitty-gritty of each particular rules yep
2: so something i really like steven pointed this out on um, board game geek he loves rule books with lots of pictures and diagrams and examples of common situations i like this it can be a little distracting sometimes when they're put in the middle of the page but i love it when i read a comprehensive rule set start to finish and then at the back it's like all right now here's like 10 examples of kind of playthroughs or like weird edge case scenarios and how they play out with diagrams. I love it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And or if you're going to do it in line, um, have it be in like a side column and different different treatment completely. So you know that that's what this is. Um, some books will do it with like uh, little speech bubbles of someone who's coming in and talking and so we'll put it in a bubble. It's like it's not part of the rules, but it's a clarification for it. Sometimes you'll just have like, you know, it'll be a a three-two split on the page, so you have well two-thirds, one-third, and the one-third is like special column that's going through an example, as the two-thirds is walking you through the rules. Um,
2: I do feel like I'm usually pretty good when I'm reading the rule book the first time. For that, I do sometimes think that gets in the way when you're trying to look up a rule later.
0: Yes, yep. Um, and so that is a great, great. Point. I want to say. Um, so I, I've read all through the thread, so I know all these different things. But I, I want to attach it to the right. So people.
2: if I'm saying something that you said, I'm not stealing from you. I promise. <laughs> and Chris is trying to give you credit for also saying it, but I didn't do my homework. Yeah. So, That's on me. <laughs> so this is a game.
0: Um, I believe it was Great Western Trail was the one that was uh, called out for doing this. Great Western Trail. Oh, we actually played it today. Great game. Uh, we really played it fun. For like three and a half hours. Four hours.
2: We started at 4.45 and finished around 8.
0: Yeah, so it was was a long (laughs) game, but really fun. It moves very quickly. However, if... It's a
2: really quick three-hour game.
0: (laughs) He's saying it moves quick during those three hours. Very little player downtime. But I will admit that if you are trying to look up a rule in that rule book. It's not meant for reference. You can read it cover to cover, and it walks you through everything you need, but it's not a good reference for finding the rules you're looking for. Right? And there's this fine balance between those two things. Like, how do you teach somebody a game, but still be a good reference book? Fantasy Flight decided to say, okay, we're going to give you the how to play book, which walks you through how to set it up, how to play it, and then the rules reference book. which." I believe Todd actually brought this up as a point where um actually no this was this was not Todd um Todd referred me to a post by Tom Lehman who wrote the second edition pandemic rulebook, and in that thread, this was a separate thread that's Linked from Mars. In that thread, he talks, there, there's a discussion where someone says, you know, something publishers are just trying to save money. They're trying to cut pages out of rule books and it's just for cost savings. And there should be more, like more explanation is always better than not enough explanation. And Tom, his reply to this was, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. In fact, larger rule books tend not to be understood as well as smaller rule books. Yep. They also tend not to be as pro- as approachable. People, it's not that people will choose not to read the extra stuff, it's that they'll choose not to read any of it.
1: Oh yeah, I'm totally that way. If I see like a 12 page manual I'm like, oh my god, I'm not even going to attempt that. I'm just going to bring up a YouTube video of someone playing this. Yep.
2: I'm calling out Arkham Horror.
1: Arkham Horror has multiple oh but
0: it's, again, that's Fantasy Flight.
2: It was like but i don't know i i feel like the one that they told first of all you pick up one book and it says don't read this book read the other book so i pick up the other book and i'm like oh my gosh i can't i can't even and it's like all right if you can't read the books go to youtube yeah. <laughs> it's like everything linked on there they at least they acknowledge the, but i mean if that's the kind of game you're into it is a very heavy rule set you have to really be dedicated to it um And if that's your thing, great. They do a really good job. The books are all very understandable, and they've done everything they can. But to me, I was just like, this isn't my game. (laughs) (laughs) This is not for me. Well,
0: the one thing to be called out for the the two-book method is oftentimes the intro to the game, the how to play, is written in a casual tone, where the rules reference is written in more of a legalese tone. And that change in tone can be a problem. But the bigger problem is you've just read the how to play. You're in the middle of playing. A rule question comes up. So you need to go to the rules reference that you've never touched. You Mm -hmm. haven't seen it. You're not familiar with the layout. And it's a completely different layout. So
2: I feel like the rule reference really needs to have a good table of contents, good index, well-marked page numbers all of those things so it's more it is a reference book it's not you know a a casual read like i'm just gonna sit down and this will be fun it's it's to look something up
1: maybe one day you know i was just thinking because i know aaron was saying you know how why isn't the technology changed or move on any day i could see in the future just being able to like talk to your phone uh you know you've downloaded the the answers to all the rules for w- this particular game and you're just like i'm playing great western trail how do i move over here and do this <laughs> and it just tells you the answer like this that would be a job amazing for
2: watson yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
0: To, to be completely honest we're almost there now and because i can okay. search for just about anything in google and it will take me to the board game geek thread. right <laughs> trick to searching the board game geek threats do not use board game geek. To search Board Game Geek. Right, yeah. Use Google. Yeah. <laughs> Create Western Trail character movement. And ask the specific question, because someone else has already asked it, and it's been answered probably three or four times, and Google will take you directly to that thread. Like, that's the way I've, – I've answered so many questions, like, in quick real time in doing that.
2: Nice. We had to go for um, the moon's scoring. Yep. That was uh, – a. We had, we were staring at the rule book, just like, oh. <laughs> and the fun thing about board game geek is you'll often get input from the actual game designers. Yep. So, so it's like,
0: this is what the intention was. And even if someone comes back and says, yeah, but that's not what the rules actually say. If the designer says this is what it is,
1: you can be like, all right.
2: That's the rule now.
1: That's the rule now. (laughs) And that kind of makes me feel like, you know, I maybe will never see my vision of something that's going to talk to me back and tell me the answer because the alternatives are, like you say pretty much good enough already and you know board game design is is such a um, you know an area where the designers really don't have a lot of money to work with you know the margins are slim as we know all the components are expensive some of the sometimes the reason these rule books are lacking is because they're just struggling to put the game together at all money-wise and they haven't had enough time and resources it's not a video game video games have you know millions of dollars and you know hundreds of people working on these things of course they've got time to really walk through people people through well, these things and and that to that point a lot of times the
0: independent designers they haven't had a chance to show these books to people who've never played the game they have right. their group of play testers so you don't get what essentially is blind play testing right. give the game and the rules to someone else and say try it the game i mentioned earlier that's exactly what they're doing they're doing it with me so they're not going to have the problem of you know, just saying, Oh, I think this is working fine. And then give it out to the masses with right. something that's not clear. They're doing exactly the right thing. Um, and they will get to where they need to go because they're doing the right thing. And that, that's something that a lot of times doesn't happen. Like, right. and a designer may not be the best person to write their rules, you know. They should definitely proof the rules. Right. But oftentimes, you have someone else write the rule set. The designers say, hey, this is the rules. And someone else writes out how those rules work. That makes it's sense. It's
2: a profession out yeah. there. Doing technical writing, um, instruction manuals, all those things. That's It's crazy.
0: Yep. Now, I do want to read um, Michael. Most of the time I don't quote from the Board Game geek, but um, this one is worth quoting because Michael, as we've talked about before, um, demos a lot of games. And so he's kind of coming at it from someone who has to demo games. So just an excerpt from his post. To start the best rule books will do something that I learned is one of the best methods to teach a game. They go through the game from the start of turn one in order of play until the game ends scoring. This teaches the flow of the game, and in some of the best games, it expedites play. When learning a game and teaching a game, the fast and actual action starts the better. Um the faster the actual action starts better. People will space out for long explanations. So keep things concise and to the point. Um Have pictures showing examples of play as you are explaining the rules. If you want to have something uh, grasp better, then having a visual representation goes a long way to uh, retention and comprehension. And don't get too deep or into edge cases when you're teaching a game. So even if someone's asking, what about this or what about that? A lot of times I'll be like, just wait. We'll get if to that one. a problem.
2: Up, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Something that you do a lot when you're teaching us games that I really like is you will have the game set up in front of us and you will show an example. So you pull a pretend hand and say, all right, so here are some examples of the cards you're going to get. This is what the iconography means. And you kind of play through a little bit and then reset. So then we all start to play. And you always I don't know if this is to your advantage or not. You almost always are the first player. So we get to watch you take a turn. And it gives us kind of an idea that works really well for most games, but for some games where you have very different starting races or whatever it is, where it's a non...
0: Asycritus. Yeah. Yeah. Asymmetrical? Asymmetrical. Asymmetrical. When it's an
2: asymmetrical game, it can really throw off your strategy. If I'm like, oh, well, Chris did this, so I'm going to try doing this, and then three turns in, you're like, well, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Well, and I try to
0: get people to start playing their turns way before I have explained the entire game. Because I find that people learn contextually. Now, it doesn't work for everybody who wants to know everything about the game before they start. To them, I say, read the rule book, read videos, know everything before you start. But if I'm trying to get three, four or five people playing a game, I can't. Like, I know what it is to be talked at for 30 to 45 minutes. You're not retaining any of this.
2: Which is why I'm the crazy person who's like, I need to know all the rules, but I don't want to slow down the game. So we're going to start playing and I'm just going to sit here with the rule book for the first four or five turns. And when it's my turn, I'll go, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah, because Great Western Trail, we just did that. I taught Kitty and Spencer how to play the game. And I we set it up. I said, here's how you put the little tokens on your card. This is how you move. This is what the cards in your hand are. And this is when you get to this endpoint, what matters. Also, there's a bunch of icons. When you land on something, we'll talk about what they do. And from that point, it was just like, okay, what does this do? All right, what does that do? And I'm just choosing something and I'm going to go with it. And within, I would say, four or five turns, and those turns go really fast – you kind of like, oh, I get it. I get what these things are saying. I still don't understand the strategy, because it's a point salad game with 12 scoring options at the end.
2: It was crazy <laughs> point salad. Like, it was two-point salad-y for me, and I love point salad. Yeah.
0: You still liked this game. You just I couldn't like follow this. what was going on.
2: I I I'm usually so good at knowing what everyone's score is gonna <laughs> sort of be, but I lost by so much. <laughs> yeah. Um I wasn't even in it.
0: <laughs> Todd actually, um Todd posted several times, but one of the things he uh, did post is his preference on how he likes to uh, learn games, which is exactly mine. So I'm going to just read it as his, but really it's mine too. Read the rule book, play the game, read the rule book. Because the first time you read it, you're just getting enough information retained where you could possibly start playing the game and you know to look up things. After you've played your first game, when you read that rule book, it's a completely different experience because now everything's contextual.
2: Every single time you go, oh.
0: Yep. <laughs> I usually text you guys afterwards, like, all right, we only messed up three things. We, yeah. This, this, and this.
1: And it's funny because everyone has their own preferences. Like, <clears throat> I really like to watch a video first and i want to see the pieces in motion i mean normally i don't have to because as kitty explained chris is there doing it in real time moving pieces around showing us how it works but i love that visual thing i love seeing it first before i've even looked at the rule book but you know someone like you would much rather open the book kitty kitty yeah. definitely you know yeah prefer that.
2: i want to read and then play yeah. and then read or read watch Read. Yeah.
1: I actually, so Christy,
0: um, her recommended way of learning is read or watch a brief overview of the game. Then watch a video that goes through the rules in more detail or watch a playthrough that will expose you to the rules um, and then learn or learn the game from a friend or read the rules of yeah, play. Yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, anytime someone can teach you the rules, it's always way better. Um, it, then you don't need the rule book, really, right? If someone else is teaching it to you. but If the- you
2: trust the person
0: if you trust the person i think watching an overview though (laughs) whatever rule book you're learning if there is an overview of the game if there's a video or a quick you know some images or an overview inside the rule book always always use that with thousands of games coming out though not everything has videos, especially for the small indie games. Um, some of them do. Actually, they're getting a whole lot better since Kickstarter. You really need to have like, high to plays and some video stuff around it, um, but not not always there. So your rule book can't rely on the fact that someone's going to be watching a video. So having that overview in the in the rule book is a is a good thing. Uh, Jason mentions that he likes tutorials and walkthroughs of the first turn. So structure of a rule book. Um, the one that I find the most common and the one I like the most. Show the components. All the components yes. with names. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a little blurb of what it's used for, that's fine too. But don't go into detail at this point. If you have resource counters, just show four different resource counters. Say, these are resources you'll use to you know, buy different things. You know, That's all you need on there. Don't say, oh, and you can use three wood and two sheep to do this.
2: Don't even bother.
0: Don't even bother. The goal of the game. This should be very, very short. Um, yeah. Oftentimes a single sentence, maybe two. Maybe. Yep. So this is like, um, you're going to tally up the points at the end of the game. Um, See end of game scoring for details. Boom. Done. Or first person to get to the end of the track wins. Or whatever it is. Just a very simple thing.
2: What I love is when they just have the name of the thing, and then they have a page number afterwards. Yep. So if you know, oh, I have a question about how the resource counters work, I can look at the resource counters. It says, oh, page seven. Boom. There it is. I love it.
0: Yep. It's kind of an in- inline index. Yeah. Um, a lot of people mention that they want their rulebooks to have an index, and I agree. Any rule book that has more than probably 10 or 12 pages should have an index. But if you can inline index it as well, that helps. So then you don't have to explain everything in one spot. You can just reference them to the Yes. Other. The next thing is setup. We haven't talked about how to play the game yet, short of maybe a, c- a component's description. Set the game up. This is how you set it up. Don't worry about anything else. Get it on the table.
2: That way, if you are like Chris, I know this is the way you do it. You open the box, you get the rules, you set up the game. And then as you're reading the rules, you can look at how the pieces are working, moving. It's basically like you play with the rule book.
0: Yep. Then do the turn by turn. So stepping through a turn, which is normally just order of play. Like this is Yep. what you do on a player's turn um, sometimes they'll talk about rounds at this point like a round is everyone takes a turn or a round is everyone goes until they don't have more actions left or whatever um, so you can talk about the round at that point that encapsulates a specific turn but then go through the player's turns at that point if there's multiple actions you can do what kitty says and reference like you can take a move action you can take an attack action you can do this or that and reference where you can get the details on that but keep that turn base relatively concise so you can follow it through finally special rules these are the exceptions um asymmetric are we using asymmetric 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 races or players or that that stuff comes at the very end because you don't need to know everything about the different player types because that's not the core of the game. Teach the core mechanic first, then teach the exceptions to those rules. Um If you look at a game like Magic the Gathering or any game where the vast majority of the rules are on the components themselves, those rule books... Uh, Magic's a terrible example for this because that rule book is <laughs> literally like 400 pages long. You
2: picked long. that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I'll use codex instead. <laughs> <laughs> codex rules are basically here are the mechanics of the rules. Also... The cards override everything that's being said here. Yes. But the basic mechanics is the same for everyone. And then all of the special characters, all the special cards, all the special stuff are exceptions to those standards rules that you learned. Don't learn the exceptions first. Because you just, you can't follow all that.
2: I don't know that I ever actually saw the Codex rulebook. No. Because they have such great player mats. Yeah. Player mats can be so helpful when you're learning a game. Yep.
0: Another thing Christy brought up. Yep. Yes. Player you're
2: You're looking at it. You know, uh, Great Western Trail kind of did this, too, where you've got your sheet in front of you. Scythe has a good one. Yep. Um
0: they all so use, many. Yep. Um. Yeah, anytime you have a player mat, a lot of times we use iconography on it, which is fine. It's great to have a single reference of that iconography.
2: Oh, yeah, like a card that has all the pictures. Yeah, or the
0: back of the book or something, something. like that. Something, yeah. Um, even a PDF that I can download. Yeah. I'd be okay with that.
2: Where you can look and go like, oh, yeah, like, circle dot triangle means this, you know? <laughs>
0: yep. Um, FAQs. Yeah. So, these are important. They're almost always on BoardGameGeek these days. I was
2: going to say, they should go <laughs> to the web. <laughs>
0: yep. um, the longer the FAQ, the better the sign that the rulebook may not be as clear as it could be. There are certainly exceptions. There's a lot of games that are just really complicated, and people keep asking the same questions, even if it's in the rules and very clear. Um, if people keep asking the same questions, throw it in an FAQ. But Keep an eye on the games that, you know, if you have a particular rule book that you are like, "Ah, oh, this is great and you don't need an FAQ, you're probably right. The rule book's great. If you're finding yourself going online all the time, you probably found yourself a rule book that might need a second edition or a little bit of editing for it. Again, not always, but sometimes. But PDF solves that because now we can just update the rules on PDF, download the new rules and call it good. So I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I think we've covered rule books very <laughs> thoroughly. I think so. <laughs>
1: I'm impressed.
0: Um, let's see. if you. I want to see if we've missed any main, main comments here. Um, Steve likes when components handle the rules. So this is like cars on the text so you learn the basics and the cars go through. Um, Christopher actually gave us a great list of must-haves in a rule book. Um, I want to go over those real quick because i do actually agree with those um but i'm going to do a quick go to his post for this but rules index uh list of pictures and all the components um explanation and and explain and describe everything so if it's a component worth putting in the game explain what it does um and pictures for game setup that's a big one have a diagram of the game setup so that i can look at it and kind of see that it's the right right way um Put the back cover of the rulebook. Make the back cover of the rulebook worth having. Yes. You know, so.
2: Quick reference. Yeah. Iconography. Um, FAQs. FAQs. I'll see FAQ, there yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, layout and presentation. Present the rules with some sort of understandable, reasonable order, which we just kind of went over. Um, you know, uh, rulebooks, pet peeves. No or ins- insufficient blind play testing. So this is this idea of, and we can't ever really know. You know, sometimes you can send your rulebook to a dozen people and they're just like, you know, oh, yeah, this this is they fine. They think the
2: same way that you do.
0: Right. Or they, they just don't feel like they are qualified enough to comment on it. So hey, use playtesters that are willing to come back and say, hey, wait, how does this work? Ask Really ask those questions. Um, don't assume that every bad rulebook hasn't gone through its due, di- due diligence. Um, sometimes it does. It, it's just, you know. Sometimes games are people. complicated. Yeah. Um, but, and so there's a bunch of things here and I, I agree with pretty much everything he has here. So I just want to call it out. Um, thanks Christopher for pointing that out.
2: I'd also like to th- say thank you to Trevor. Cause I think he's the only person on here that we haven't given a shout out to. <laughs> he likes important bolded things yep. when you're looking for something. I love it when you're like, Oh, it's this thing I remember is on the page. And that is like, boom, right there. Yep. They and, know what you're gonna be looking for later. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: And Todd and Aaron, I the conversation between you two was fantastic. Yeah. Um and actually really um mature as well. So, you know, it that that's one of those things where this is like one of those passionate things you could really go back and forth. I really think that um you guys handled that well. So um so let's go into our new post topic section, shall we? Um I do want to thank iTunes reviews. Um I'm gonna say gomes fan gomes fam yeah (laughs) um for you you are our 60th review you don't win a prize but um i looked like (laughs) we have 60 reviews now so i challenge our listeners to get us to 70 by origins that's three weeks we can do it kitty's looking at me like that's a.
2: (laughs) am skeptical prove me wrong
0: um also we should mention we mentioned at the top of the show we have twitter pages um well i've Twitter accounts, uh, Facebook pages. We haven't been pushing them as much lately because we haven't wanted to bother you at the top of the show. But I figure bottom of the show, uh, we can push that um, again. Tabletop game TLK on Twitter and Game Master Chris on Twitter, and then our Facebook page is slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Uh, Kitty takes care of the Facebook stuff. I'm usually on the Twitter stuff.
1: Reddit sometimes for me and Reddit for Josh,
0: and. Yeah, and if you are interested in our Patreon, uh, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon, we have multiple levels. We're trying to get up to um, essentially what the Patreon money goes to, because I think that's a, a really good question. Uh, the fees for hosting, um, eventually to... Pay back all of the different equipment that we use. Um, I, I get a, a decent,
2: I didn't realize how much it costs to host a podcast and the website to put the podcast out there until I started doing this. Yeah.
0: And the processing and,
2: oh yeah, uh, monthly fees. Mm. And yep. then
0: there's all the games you're giving away as well. And the game. So that's another thing. Um, it helps me kind of supplement my, I'm going to call it research.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: and being able to like give away things i really like being able to kind of get back to the audience and stuff um eventually it will pay for the audio equipment i I do get compliments on the audio from time to time um it's not cheap to have good audio and so that's what the patreon's for and what our next goal is i want to get um start contributing to the jack Vassal memorial fund which is a charity that the dice tower runs that helps gamers um so that is the goal i'm kind of going for if you go to patreon right now it's actually the goal is to do a game giveaway a month we hit that and then i changed the way that the um it was became chris changed month. the rules i made it per month then per episode so that dropped us back down so but once we get past that we'll we'll start working towards charity again so
1: um all right i think that's long enough josh indeed well, thank you for listening, and remember, we love your feedback, so consider leaving us an iTunes review, email us with comments or questions at tabletopgametalk at gmail.com, and visit us at the site tabletopgametalk.com to learn more about becoming part of the conversation. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Emil Jilljam, Shane Paul, George, Adam Harrison, Sam from New York, Tom Bly, Jason Strong, Terence Milkner, Stephen Seitz, Alex Brown, Michael Oll Josh Arntz Trevor Olsen Brian Arnold Sean Kelly Joseph Lee John Merkel Daniel Shepard C. Marie Rudy Liu Benjamin Heimowitz Jerry Huang Mike Smith and Stefan Phillips hey bro (laughs) and if you'd like to support us via Patreon and be auto-entered into all of our giveaways you can find out more at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon until next week keep playing games and having fun good night (laughs)
0: we have Spencer read that list next week?
2: <laughs> He'd be great at it.
0: <laughs> Present Chris back again. We never did get Spencer to read the credits, but after we're listening to the episode, I think it's something we're going to have to revisit. But I did want to thank all of our current patrons as well. We really can't state how much we appreciate your support. Anyway, that's the show for this week. A little shorter since I cut a few things out of the original, but hopefully this gets everyone in the mindset of how we get rid of these rule books altogether. Talk to you next week.